Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative estites, and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in. Oh, this is not live. <laughs> That's good. Hi, I'm here with Lisa Lott Watkins, a Swedish artist based in Rome. Hi, Lisa Lott. Hello. Thanks for bringing me to your studio. I love coming here. I think it's a really... To my grotta. Your grotta, exactly. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like a little angoletto of art. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm kind of aiming for, but I don't really feel like I succeeded. But no, I'm working on it. I think you totally succeeded. I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you because I... You were one of those people that I followed on Instagram for a long mm -hmm. time, and I would just I would see these images that kind of have um, they feel really nostalgic for me. They, the, your mm -hmm. photos are, and and by the way, Lisa, Lutz, you're not a photographer, but no. the way but your images are these gorgeous kind of nostalgic yesteryear 1970s vibe no. that make me think of like when I was a kid and me and my mom. And I, I don't know why, I literally, every time I see them, I think of my my mom, like, be doing stuff with my mom, with that kind of burnt, you know, that sunburnt feel. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, I started looking at your images, and I was like, who is this person? I don't even, I don't even know how I, I, I came across you, but I, then I started I seeing know. that you do a lot of, that you are a designer, that you're a graphic artist, that you're an artist, and a lot of what you do, all of what you do is got this beautiful imagery, so... Why don't you tell people what you do first? Um, but I think that, I mean, for me, I think Instagram is fantastic in, in this way that you're talking about. For me, I always use it as kind of like a photo album. I do document things and I do go back a lot and I do use it as some kind of inspiration board. Um, and you, also, you also take these photos that look like still lives. Like it's almost but like everything is a still life to me. I think my whole life somehow is like my husband always jokes about me that it's like, I'm always like rearranging everything to kind of find some kind of balance. But I, but I don't think it's that uncommon. I read about other artists and other kind of creatives that do that in order to kind of find not really inspiration as much as some kind of harmony and balance and to. I just, it's like I'm rearranging to find something, you know, and even to like match colors or it's like a, it's like a little treasure hunt for me. Also the way I'm collecting things at Mercatinos and, and that's actually what led me to doing what I'm doing right now, which is the ceramics. It started off as something that I just kept finding at the, not really flea markets, but more like different kind of antique stores and markets in Palermo and markets in Milan. And um, and I kept finding these objects and they keep, it's like they were kind of calling me. Um, and that that's kind of how my life is. It's like everything kind of interacts with each other and it's my home and it's the colors and it's the colors of Rome and it's the colors of Milan and it's the colors sometimes of Stockholm. And maybe not so much the colors of Stockholm, but more the, the nostalgia of the Swedish Scandinavian 1970s thing, which meets the Mediterranean uh, much hap not maybe well yeah I have to say that it's a bit happier here the the general vibe is happier here than in Sweden because we do dwell more on the nostalgia and the the big Bergman um, <laughs> gloominess of the winter the the harsh landscape the you know the 
everlasting woods <laughs> that just continue for miles and miles. Um, so I think it's a bit, I mean, I think everything, my pictures, what I do, my life, it's all a complete um, mix of, uh, of pretty much everything. And I've always done that. Well, how did you, how did a woman from Sweden come yeah. all the way over to Rome? How did you get to Rome? Because I know it wasn't a direct line. No, no, no. I mean, I think that I was very eager to leave because I, I come from the countryside um, and outside um, a very small town. I come from an even smaller, not even a town, it's like a village. Um, and I was always very eager to leave. And I was romanticizing um, America and New York very early uh, in my life. And I just took the, the, the first opportunity I had, I left. I left when I was 17 and I went to Texas. And then I was in Texas for a while, and I went to school, and I went to college in Texas, and then I went to New York, and then I was in New York for a lot of years. Did you study graphic design? Is that what you studied? Yeah, I studied graphic design, but I but I kind of did... I, I thought I... Because I didn't really know... I don't really come from the kind of background where this is something that you do. I mean, I didn't know that was an option. Mm -hmm. I didn't know there was an option to be an artist. I knew that I was good at drawing. Uh, but it was not actually until I came to the States that somebody really said, you're very good at drawing, you know, and you should really kind of pursue this. I mean, my, my art teacher when I was in Sweden, I, mean, I kind of knew, I mean, that, that's what I did. I drew, you know. So, I mean, it was kind of hard not to realize that I was fine. I mean, so I was okay. But there was not anybody telling me, like, you should be an artist or you well, should what do... What were they telling you? Did they... Cause I, I, I think they just told me to go and like, you know, I mean, in Sweden there was this woman that you went to, a man, I mean, it was like, but it was like a, um, a like almost like a, how should I say, like a job advisor when you went to school, you know, and said like, you know, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. They're like, well, maybe you should be, I mean, there was, being art, it was not, that, it was, it was not on the list. It wasn't <laughs> really there. So, but then when I came to the States, uh, my art teacher was very encouraging and she said, you should really just stay and try and pursue this. And then I thought, I have to do it as a job. I can't just be an artist. I have to do, be like a graphic designer. That's what I knew, that you can work in an agency or something. Where did you study? In the, you studied in the U.S.? In Texas, in Dallas. Oh, wow. At the Art Institute. Uh, but then I did a lot of drawing. So actually I took two degrees. I took one in graphic design and then I took one, like one in illustration because I just illustrated so much more. And every, all my teachers just realized that you're not really a graphic designer, you're an illustrator. So they kind of encouraged me to do wow. that more. Um, and, then I, and then I went to New York and, I, and it was funny because I just realized the other day because I saw that Barney's was closing. Yeah. And Barney's was really like my school. I, just, I used to go there and I would look at like Ruben Toledo and I would look at all these artists that did all these fantastic stuff at Barney's and I would go like, this is what I want to do. And, and, I, and then I, that was my first gig that I did, like, the little Sunday styles advertising for them. Like, a really small black and white advertising for Barney's for the makeup every Sunday in the New York Times. I had no idea. Yeah, that was my I first... Mean, I, I saw all of that. No, 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 that was my first gig. Because I, I moved to New York, and I lived at the YMCA uh, out of my suitcase. I didn't have anything, and I was living in the YMCA at, in a room... <laughs> And I thought I was going to stay there forever. <laughs> and then I just met this girl at a party. I don't even know how. I mean, I think it was like through a Swedish friend. I met this friend. And she became a friend. Her name was Wachara. And Wachara was working at Barney's. And she just said, look, come by and show me your portfolio, which I didn't have, of course. I just showed her, like, drawings. And she's like, yeah, you can just do ads for us. Wow. 
And that gave me like my monthly paycheck. You know, I, I think I made like $1,200 a month or something. I think I got $300 per ad. Wow. And how much did it cost to stay at the YMCA? Like- the YMCA was very cheap. But what, what, what happened was across the street from the YMCA on 23rd Street, there was a building, an apartment building, that I used to like look out on from my little room uh, at the YMCA. And I thought, I'm just going to go over there and see if they have a, an apartment for me, you know? So I went across the street to the... Um, to the guy working there, I was like, do you, I have this job at Barney's. <laughs> this is how it used to be in New York. I, I have $1,200 a month. I mean, like, I think I'm going to do this for a while. Can I have an apartment? He's like, yeah, there's one on the 16th floor. It's like a studio. You can have that one. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> no. So I moved across the street from the YMCA on 23rd Street to the building, exactly, neighbor to the Chelsea Hotel. Oh, wow. It was a really cool, like, it's art not a, deco. It's not a bad location. No, it was a great location. I mean, it was me and, like, people that went to FIT because it was very close to FIT. And there was, like, a million apartments with one elevator that was so slow. And I used to walk. I mean, I even walked the stairs sometimes, getting up to the cool. 16th floor. And I had this beautiful view of the Empire State Building. It was a super small apartment. But it was fine. So I just, that's where I stayed. And then I started, and then I, I started doing more stuff. So then I, I did the illustration for a very long time, and I was living in New York, and it went kind of well. And then I moved back. To, actually, then I moved to Stockholm, but for the first time, I'd never lived in Stockholm. So I moved to Stockholm, and then, um, and then after living in Stockholm for a while, I uh, I moved to Paris, and I met my husband, and we moved to Milan, and then we moved to Rome. How so long it's been? How, yeah. long, how long did you live in Milan for? We, were, we, we actually, we, we calculated this yesterday because somebody asked us. I think we were in Milan for seven years. I think seven years. And then we've been here for four. So 11 years in Italy. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and you, so you moved, so you met your husband in Paris. In Paris. And then his, who, which, whose idea was it to come to Milan? It was definitely his idea. I was actually, the funny thing is that I was working at the time a lot for Prada. I just started working for Prada. This is like 12 years ago. And designing? Designing like fabrics. And we, I did a collection for them for Miu Miu uh-huh. that were on. It was a very successful. I did the Harlequin dresses. And ah, yeah, it, was, it was actually really, really cool. And it was actually one of the first collaborations that they did. With the Prada did with somebody external. So that was really, really cool. Uh, so I had actually been in Milan a lot with Prada, and I, I really didn't like it. Because <laughs> Milan, Milan 12 years ago was not like Milan today. Today Milan is happening in the, with the Fondazione, and there's like the lifestyle, the cafes, and it's uh, becoming the like the yeah. restaurants, Navigli, it's booming. Galleries, you know? yeah, it's awesome. Milan 12 years ago was just gray and boring, and everybody asked us, like, what on earth are you doing here? You moved from Paris to Milan. On, why? But my husband got a job at Jill Sander and he loved Jill Sander and he worked with Rav Simmons and he was just so excited. And I mean, he wasn't my husband at the time. We actually had just been together for like a year. But I just thought, I mean, we just got to try it. And then it, w- it worked out fine, of course. I, in the end, I loved Milan and I still love Milan. So you were doing collaborations with different yeah. fashion houses, I'm guessing, right. and yeah. different design companies or yeah. Yeah. a lot. What, what companies would they be? Well, I mean, I, you name it. I did like, I did everything. I mean, I worked for 20 years as an illustrator and more as a fashion illustrator. But also I did like, I did my own vodka. I got the Absolute Vodkins. I did like wow. my own Absolute Vodka, what vo- vo- Absolute Bottle of Vodka. That was fun. I work with every, I mean, I just feel like I've done so much. I, it just felt like, and that's the thing, like at the end of... Um, like four or five years ago, I just felt like people kept asking me, like, what's your next, 
what's your next dream to do? Like your next job? And I just felt, I don't really know anymore. Like, I feel like I've worked so much and I met so many fascinating people, but I feel like right now all I want to do is just, I just want to do something for myself. And, and that's, and that's what, what I, I did. That's what I, that's what I was going to ask you because I mean you were doing so much, but I know you as an artist that's completely doing yeah, things for herself. Exactly, and that's kind of what Italy allowed me to do in a way because also I felt very kind of not I wouldn't say cut off, but I felt like I for the first time in my life I was like kind of had the time to like reflect on things. And I think it's also age. Like, mm-hmm. and then I had children. I had children, I had time. I had to have time. I was like, you know, taking care of the kids. And then you all of a sudden I had spare time. And I was thinking like, but I mean, I can actually do something else. By so the way, nobody has ever said right. in the same sentence, I had children and then I had spare time. <laughs> but but, but I mean, for me, it really was the first time that I, that I had. I mean, it was the first, um, because... For me, it was just because I didn't want to be... I mean, I have to say that I was not fantastic because I was also working when I had... I remember taking Ava, like I had her in this baby Bjorn, you know, going to meetings and flying. And But because when they were small, you could actually do that. But then with my son, who's you know, two years older than her, I, I worked more. But then I, at a point I was like, I kind of have to just slow down. So I, Also because of them. It just allowed me to like reflect... And you spend more time at home, you know? You hang out with the kids. You, have, you play, but you also have, like, it just kind of made me slow down having the kids. So what brought you guys then from Milan to Rome? Because you, have the, kids in, you yeah, have the kids in Milan. We had the kids in Milan, and we were very, actually very happy in Milan. We, we started going to Sicily a lot. We went to Palermo, and I think we started romanticizing the South a bit. Why, wait, why were you going to Palermo? Just for fun? We just loved going to Sicily. We, we used to spend a lot of our summers in Sicily. Like, we went to the Scopello, and then we went to Palermo, and then we, we, we drove around Sicily a lot. And I think that um, we just really felt that it was intriguing. In the south of Italy was intriguing in a way that Milan Milan felt just started feeling a bit Scandinavian at some point. It was it's because it is very organized and it's very, you know, civilized in a way in, in Milan. And I like the chaos of Palermo and I like the too. chaos of the south. And we we went to Napoli, we went we just started traveling a lot in the south and then uh, an opportunity kind of opened up for my husband who's a um communications director. And he was offered a job, and we were thinking, like, well, I mean, why not? Why not? Because the kids were very kind of small. Um, my son was just going to start, like, first grade, and it was kind of a perfect time to go. So instead of going to, like, because we were talking, because we had been talking about maybe we should go back to Paris, you know, Stockholm really never entered the, the discussion, but Paris was on there. But then we were like, but do we want to bring up our kids in Paris, or do we want them to be brought up in Rome? It just felt more appealing in Rome. I, I would, I mean, as someone who brings up kids in Rome, I, I fully agree with that. I mean, it's just I, I just feel very like it's more free. It's very free, and it's like you know, because Rome kind of has that feeling of like a little town at times, even though it's a big city. But it, it, there are yeah. all these little neighborhoods. Exactly. And everybody knows everybody else. And it just felt kind of, I don't know, for me, yeah, for me, just, I don't know, I just had a, some kind of a nice feeling about it. You know, and I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anyone who had kids in Rome. I didn't know anybody who had brought up kids in Rome. I didn't. I had no idea what it meant to have kids. So you in guys Rome. knew no one. You just came here. We pretty much knew no one. No, yeah, that's true. I did talk to one woman in Milan, and she was the one. She had friends in Rome, 
who said that this school that they now go to is supposed to be good. And the funny thing was that this school was extremely close to my husband's work, his, his office. So it was very natural for us to kind of, we just found the neighborhood because everybody also said, don't, you know, don't have a school and work too far oh, apart, right. exactly. you know, because the communication is not so great and we don't want to drive every day with the kids. So we just found the school. We knew where Jonas was going to work. Jonas is my husband. We knew where his office was. We knew there was a school. And then we just found the apartment kind of in the triangle of things. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that. It's like, it's almost like working backwards from, yeah. you know, from yeah. point Z to point yeah. A. Exactly. So that was like our little setup. So we just came and we had the school and we had the office and then I found a little studio here in the Grotta and then Okay, that's it. but that that is one of my favorite stories. You didn't just find the little studio. You have a cafe that yeah, you yeah, love I have Lugina. To... I have Lugina who found the studio for me. Yeah, because that's how it kind of works here. I love that, you know, I, I know that you pronounce your name Lisa Lotte, and I keep wanting to say Lisa Lotte. Because Which is I, fine. Because I, I have a friend who's Lotte, Lotte. She calls herself, she's Charlotte, who calls herself Lottie. Yeah. And the cafe where Luigina is is called, called Lottie. Which is yeah. how it all ties in. I know. It's meant to be. So tell me a little bit about your art that we're seeing now. I'm, I'm in a room, just to give everybody a, an idea, I'm in a room that has beautiful fragments, not fragments of drawings, but I guess there's sections of drawings that she has all over, just black and white hung up, which are inspirations for other pieces. And then there are posters, there's amphorae that I'm going to tell people about. She's got a unprepped canvas on the wall. <laughs> I mean, it's um, she's got boxes that are painted blues, which I really like. And then she's she's got pieces I can see she's about to work on them. But let's talk about let's well, let's talk about your most recent show that was down in was it Sorrento? No, Capri. Capri, that's right. Yeah, that was that was interesting, um, and that felt really that was actually my first show here in Italy, um, and that it was nice because I kind of felt like they came home in a way. It was very funny because uh, I never done because I mean when I bring the ceramics to Sweden. I was actually very surprised of how well they were received because they felt extremely exotic in Sweden because they are exotic. I well, mean, let's talk about what they are. Tell everyone. Yeah, they're vintage. Um, they're vintage ceramics that I find um, all over Italy, and they're very classic um, ceramics. They're they were used for oil and water and wine. Um, like and also like olives. amphorae. Also, like... yeah, amphorae. They like also used some of them. The bigger ones, I think, have also been used for olives. Um, so they're like containers in a way. So you're just when you when in in the way that you collect things. These are some of the things that you collect, and then you ship them back here. Yeah. Well, I mean, back. I not well, ship them back. I kind of bring them back in the car <laughs> or in a taxi or in uh, you know whatever ways possible. Like my husband usually carries them. And some of them are quite large. Uh, and once I remember, it's a funny story when we were in, when we were actually in Palermo on vacation, uh, I found a really good piece that was huge. And I made my husband throw the, the Passagino away. The stroller. Yeah. So you got rid of the stroller. Because we couldn't fit a in the car. Ceramic amphorae. <laughs> <laughs> how old were your kids? Yeah, so we just had to buy a new one. <laughs> but how old were the kids? <laughs> yeah, she, Ava was very small. So, so we put her on your lap. We just put it on my lap. It wasn't, a, I mean, it was, I have to say that it was not, a, it was like a really, you know, those simple strollers. But it was, I mean, it was a nice stroller. It was not, 
Yeah. This is what you do for art. I yeah, I mean, it. I was just like, you know what? We're just going to have to toss the stroller <laughs> because, I mean, we have to fit that in the car. So we just put it in the car and that was actually one of, I mean, it's, it's still one of my favorite pieces. And I actually just met the lady who bought that piece and I forgot to tell her the story about that. Yeah, I have to tell her because she still has it at home. And that's a very funny story also because I named that piece Olga and she loves the piece and she bought the piece because also her daughter's name is Olga. Ah. So the, my daughter's Pasagino had to get removed for Olga, who's now... <laughs> it's, like, it's, all, it's all just kind of... I like that, that it becomes stories, you know? Yeah. And they're very personal. I mean, the pieces are very personal. Um, Do you want no. to describe them? Because I think... Um, yeah, I mean, this collection that I have that behind us now is the one from Capri, uh, which was a story that I did about Axel Munte, who was the doctor who founded the, the Villa San Michele, mm -hmm. who's in Anna Capri. It's in Anna Capri, which is on top of Capri. It's like the big mountain. And he was, I mean, it, it's a very long story, and that deserves like a radio show, <laughs> I mean, or like a documentary, because he's, he was a very eccentric guy was he german no he was swedish oh he was swedish he was a nerve he was like this was before you know freud and before the whole psychoanalysis it was like 1900s where he treated women with nervous characters ah yeah uh, they were of course just kind of bored and rich and didn't have anything to do in their lives so he just kind of gave them like he would say like okay you have to like have separate bedrooms from your husband and that will cure you you know they were like yes <laughs> i don't have to have sex with my husband who was of course like 45 <laughs> years older than you know probably that poor woman or like you have to get a dog or you have to help me you know with charity work in the poor neighborhoods of paris so he would find he would find like little missions for them to cure them you know, because there was nothing wrong with them. And he just kept, like, you know, seeing all these rich women with these, you know, hysterical, you know, mood swings or whatever. There was, of course, nothing wrong with them. So I dedicated the whole show to these women. And I brought... He, in the end, he was really tired of these women. And he kind of fled to Capri. <laughs> so I kind of forced the women back on him <laughs> and made them... I, I just gave them their own show. Uh, so I painted them on the ceramics, having a good time but in Capri. But they're kind of painted like in this geometric way. Yeah, they're all kind of like... And some of them are like floating around, like having a good time with Capri, uh, swimming in the ocean, sunbathing. Like I just kind of... Yeah, I, just, I really just kind of forced them back upon him. At Anna. I mean, he, of course, he's dead since many years, but the, the villa is still there, and I, I would recommend anybody to go there because it's a beautiful, beautiful place. What does spiadito mean? Spiadito means sun bleached. Ah, so that's the name of the show. Is that's the name of the show. Uh, and also because all the, the ceramics were outside in the garden, and I, I purposely made them a little bit sun bleached. The color scheme of these ceramics are a lot more subdued and... I almost wanted them to look like they've been out in the sun a bit. Also because the story is old and the women are dead. And it's a story about lost times and also the way that we as women were looked upon 120 years ago, which, I mean, I mean, a lot of things have happened since then. Sometimes you feel not enough, but um, these women were just... You kind of, you, I, I wish they would have all gone to Capri as a big women collective instead of hanging out in Paris with their boring husbands and having nothing to do. Uh, but I mean, I just, but, but that's how it kind of worked. I mean, that's why I find it, that the Capri one, the Capri exhibition was just so perfect because it was a, it just was immediately a theme that I was so attracted to. 
And that's the fun thing about this, that you have that. When you work like this, you can just make up whatever you want. Tell me, tell me more about making in Italy because I, I know that I know that you you found all these amphorae, but I also yeah. know the last time we spoke, one of the things you were talking about because you you, you don't just make ceramics and you make paintings and right. you have prints, yeah, which are like that one over there. I'm just looking at. I love. I, yeah. that's gorgeous. But you were, you mentioned just really casually about this incredible tapestry. Right. <laughs> two, two tapestries. Two, the two tapestries. Yeah, that was really funny because that because my husband works for Brioni and Brioni have a big, um, uh, I wouldn't say fabric because that sounds weird. They have um, a lot of, um, what is it called? Um, tailors. They have, they, have a, they have 1,200 tailors sitting in Abruzzo in Penne. And these 1,200 tailors, um, do, you can just put it on uh, here. It's very magical. Like that. Um, these 1,200 tailors sit in this um, in Penne and do everything for Brioni. That's one story. But in Penne, also, there's this little um, uh, arazzeria of these three women who make tapestries, and they make them all by hand, and they, um, they blend the wool together in the most magical way to achieve the, the colors. And by going to Penne, Jonas found out about these women and he told me you know not it was more like a story like he's like well, I, I met these women they have a, a tapestry business in Penne they were I mean it's very fascinating how they work and he told me about you know how they, they put, how they produce these tapestries and the work they've done before and at that time they were having a, a show at the Triennale in Milan with some of the tapestries from this tapizzeria and I went to see them and they were amazing. I mean, from the 70s when this was a big thing that people actually did this. They don't do it so much anymore. And I felt that this was something that I had to do. So I went to Stockholm, not because of that, but I went to Stockholm to, to meet my gallerist and I told him, I was like, I really would like to make a tapestry. And he was like, oh, interesting, because I have this client and she's been asking about you and she actually has this huge wall that she would mention that she would like you to do something. And I was like, ah, maybe we can make a tapestry for her. And we suggested it. She said, she said yes. So we, the first one we did was like four by three meters, um, you know, site-specific site, site for her wall, which turned out beautiful. It was just beautiful. It was like, I mean, a work of art. But how long? So tell me, you, long. you, you did the drawing. <laughs> I did the painting. I, I, I sent the so painting. It's, a, it's based on a painting. It's how, based how, on a, how big was the painting? The painting was quite big. I thought it was like 120 by 80, I think. I thought it was huge. Uh, so we sent the painting to, uh, to Penne, and they used it to make a color chart, and they, would, they just calc like, what is it called? Like, did a calculation of the drawing, and they redrew it big. And then they completely, I mean, I have to say that, of course, the tapestry is more beautiful than the painting, of course, because it's alive. It's really alive. So they, they hand dye it and match the no, colors? No, they don't dye it. They, 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 they mix. They take the, the wool, the yarn, and they, they mix the, um, the, the fine, fine pieces of yarn they put together to achieve pink. To make the color. Exactly. Oh, so, wow. Which gives it a very shimmering effect. Because, of course, within every color field, it's like 500 colors to achieve light blue. So, so in order to create the light blue, so say the light blue is even a small section, it's like mm -hmm. 500 little 500. I, I mean, I don't know if it's 500. Yeah, well, it feels like 500. A million thousand. It just, it's like pixels. It's like when you go close to it, it's almost like it's pixely. Wow. It's, it's really amazing. How long did it take? And they're hand, long. handing yeah. it? Is it all by hand? It's all by hand. And they take turns of weaving. And I think they do six centimeters every day. Uh, wow. And then once, 
uh, they they weren't happy with the colors, so they like they just kind of like. You know, they called me and said, like, no, we don't like this, the way this, whatever, I don't remember, yellow has turned out, so we're just going to redo it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like 30 centimeters. They're like, yeah, we know, but we just have to redo it. Oh, my God, that must have taken, like, a year. <laughs> no, it, I think it took, like, eight months to do it. That's, a, that's amazing. That's, mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of puts in mind, you know, you know when you go to the Vatican? I don't know if you've been, like, the yeah, gallery yeah. where yeah. the tapestries... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's... It, no, but it is... But they, I didn't even because I know they dyed yeah. the colors, they, and they, they do, said, they do. I mean, and of course they dye this, they dye the wool to achieve. They, they dye originally they dye the wool to get the, the single color, the single colors. Yeah. But then to get the specific colors, because of course my colors are not the same as their colors, you know. So they they use the dyeing wool to get. It, it, I mean, it, no, it's crazy. And I and I even love the way they do the palette. They do a palette where they, it's almost like a Pantone chart with the different colors and every color it's almost like, almost like paint by numbers wow. you know no it's it's insane insane work of art i mean i'm i'm astonished and then i felt because we did the first one and they were so enthusiastic because also it's something that they they haven't really worked like this they used to work more close to artists and doing these kind of commissions before but they haven't done it in a long time so they were super enthusiastic and then i just felt we just have to do another one and i did so we just did another one which I think is even more beautiful. I mean, no, it's not even more beautiful, but it's always like the, the thing you're doing right now always feels the most, you know, exciting. Um, so this, this one is, it was just done. And, uh, and I think, no, I think it's, I, I, would, I would love to do this all the time with them, but it is, it becomes a bit costly. I, I would guess it's very expensive. And it should be. Yeah. You know, it's like... All Three women hand making it. Exactly. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's really like and couture. It's like couture art. <laughs> and, and, and it's like probably like five or six hundred years of history there. I know. Yeah. And the thing is that, of course, it's something that, for example, in Sweden, there's one, there's one beautiful company that do it in, in Stockholm. And I mean, I, I'm sure there used to be so many more that mm -hmm. did this. And now, of course, it's well, not. Well, I remember, I do remember like in the 60s and 70s, not that I was born in the 60s or born in the 70s yeah <laughs> but i do remember like because my mom had tapestry yeah. rugs that were works of art that right. you put on and that was like a big thing and then it, it was just, a huge thing and, and i think that i mean it's funny because I, I mean i see also in la for example it is kind of coming back i mean people are getting more into weaving and more into doing it and i think it's fantastic that you know there's like for a while it was very popular with these like wall hangings with a long wool yeah. i mean i don't know what they're called like it's like Oh, God. I saw them all the time, like, in L.A. Um, it's like the, the rugs, but they have, like, very long threads. Yeah, that hang down. And they hang yeah. down. It's extremely 70s for me. It's like, oh, God, I can't even remember what they're called. They have a name. Anyway, and I love those. And I, and I, I love anything that has to do with, like, you know, craftsmanship from the 70s. It gets me going every time. <laughs> I, I am I'm raising my hand because yeah. I totally agree. And I mean, like, I mean, I remember when I when I when I worked with Marimekko, and Marimekko was one of my like dreams to work with. And I mean, to, to do that with that's them, why I love you. That was like coming home. I was like, it was like the mothership calling me when I went I, to when I went to Helsinki and went to the factory. I was like. That oh must God. have been amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. So what are you working on now? Because I see this this canvas behind you. Right. Uh, um, well, and I see yeah. some amphorae. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these are like this this is the ones that are going to uh, to the nomad. And the nomad is in St. Moritz in January. So these four are going to Nomad, and then there's another 30 that's coming in. 
that I can't fit in here. So when another 30 of the ceramics? I'm going to do another 30 ceramics for May for oh. a show. Where's that show going to be? Hopefully in Zurich. Zurich. What is oh. it called? Zurich. Zurich. Zurigo. Zurich. Zurich. Um, so that's the, the, the next week I'm going to Zurich and we'll see. Uh, and hopefully that will. I never really done 30 together before. I think I did 30, 24 or something for my first show. But it's nice when they become an army. I would love to do like 300. Oh, that'd I mean, be that would be that, nice. That's actually like a really incredible image. Also, yeah. you know, an army. Because it's like the army of me, kind of. Yeah. It's the old Björk song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's very nice when they become a lot of them, you know. But, you know, quality is important, but I kind of like the quantity aspect too of things. How do you like working in, in Rome? Is, it, do you, is there a difference between Rome and Milan for you? Um, I, I guess in the way that I, I did work more commercially in, in Milan. So I made kind of, I wouldn't say friends, but I knew more people kind of working in the creative fields because it was, I was out there more, mm -hmm. um, because of what I did. I met more people on, in magazine, at the magazines. I made, I, I met architects. I make, I made design. I mean, fashion design. I mean, it was a, I, I, I know a big crowd of creative people. Not necessarily a lot of artists. I do know some artists also. But I mean, it was easier for me to create, you know, contacts in Milan because I was out there. Not because I think it's a very creative scene, probably also here in Rome. Maybe not as many. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say because. Since I came here, all I've done is been here and worked. And I haven't really made an effort. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm more alone here, which I think is fine. Because uh, you're creating an army. Because <laughs> I have to create an army. Uh, yeah, that sounds healthy. Um, but I mean, sometimes I feel that I would really have to get out there and meet people and like make contacts and see what's here. And like, and I... I, I like yesterday, I met this girl, the younger, the younger girl that was here filming, and she was like, no, but you know, there's so many people doing stuff, and I mean, you have to meet this. And I'm like, and I love to. And, and like the, the, the more like, you know, social me and the more eager me and maybe even the more younger me say like, yeah, I have to get out there. But then it's like at the end of the day, I don't have the capacity or the time. And that sucks. But it's fine for now. I mean, just to be here and work. Because I mean, that's kind of what I have to do. So yeah, I say that Rome for me is so much more about work. And M Milan was also about work, but I guess a more social aspect, yes, Milan. And also when I do go back to Milan, I am more social. I really am than I am here in Rome. Well, I did see that on your Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've become social because also because I'm not at home and I'm not in my studio. Exactly. But when there is like the, the, the vicinity of my studio, I always prefer going to the studio. And you're in your studio quite a bit. I mean, you, yeah. I, and you live right around the corner from it. No, I'm really here like every day. I mean, this is what I do. This is where I am. God, I have an assistant who comes sometimes with like, you know, and brings me news of the world. <laughs> or else your arm, what, what would happen to your army? What would they know about? Exactly. You know? They don't have to know anything. <laughs> no, but I mean, the social aspect here, I have to say, I've been, I've been really bad. And I mean, and also my, we've been really, really not very social. But that, I mean, that's just a face, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't really but matter. Is, you know, it is what it, I mean, you are, you know, I think when you're, when you're producing and you're creative, you go through phases where part of it is being incredibly social because you need the stimulation from outside. Yeah. The other part is just getting the outside, the, what's inside your head yeah. out, and you don't need no anything else. No, you know? but it, I mean, but I mean, it's like no, I, I I have been extremely productive these years in Rome. I have to say, but that's also because I've been completely. But I mean, you can't have it all, and I mean, I think it's like you have to kind of choose. 
sometimes. And to be able to be very, very productive and also have a family and also have a somewhat of a personal life, um, you just kind of have to leave things out, you know? And I, for me, it's just, that's how it is. And then it, it, I think it's difficult to, to try. I mean, it becomes very stressful if you feel like you have to have the perfect social life and to have dinners and no, to, yeah, you know, that's I mean, it's, it's just a lot of pressure. And uh, I mean, I, I never go to the hairdresser. I never get my nails done. I never go, I, ne I barely work out. You know, that was like the first, I'm like, okay, well, I'm running. I do run sometimes. But it's like, you just have to like pick and choose, you know? Yeah. And I and it's it, you just have to do have options, you know. It's what, nice to hear that. It's nice to hear that you don't have to do everything. No, you don't. And I think it's like, but people kind of feel that you do, you know. Yeah. Sometimes. Now I want to ask you before we conclude all of this. I just I wanted to know. So you, because you've traveled all over Italy, um, to people that are listening, mm -hmm. what are your favorite places? And like, where would you say three places that people should come visit? You know that that to you give a really good sense of. Or that you just, you personally, like, I know you love Palermo like me. Yeah, but, but, but I have to say that some, some places are very difficult to recommend. Like, I've recommended Palermo to people, and they went and they hated it. Really? I recommended Napoli to people, and they went and they hated it. Because, I mean, also I think that if you have lived in Italy for 12 years, um, you like things that necessarily people coming from New York or coming from Paris or coming from Stockholm don't really get. Like, I would prefer to have dinner in an ugly restaurant with like neon lights because that's just how you get after spending 12 years in Italy. You know, I'm, I don't, I'm not really seduced so much anymore by beautiful designed interiors or like super fancy, you know, I just like like a good decent meal with like a funny guy that I can talk to who's serving it to me and whose sister or wife or mother or like what cousin is making the food. And it's a good story and I love it because that's for me is something I do really appreciate about Italy, you know? Um, and I, I would say that I sometimes really, when people ask me, because people ask me for guides all the time, I sometimes just refer to some, like, some guide that I've seen, a guide that I've seen in a magazine. Because I know that my Italy is for probably not the Italy that people want to see, you know? Because, I mean, we never do the scenic route the way that the scenic route should be. We always do the back streets or the, the hidden restaurants or we ask the guy like in the town square, like where should we have lunch? Right. You know, the, old, the oldest, grumpiest guy we can find or the woman sitting there like <laughs> she's the one to ask because she will give you a good tip. But I, that's probably not what I'm going to tell my friends in Stockholm to go to, you know? Yeah. So you, I mean, but I, I mean, I say that the thing that I feel has been very successful is Tuscany. People love Tuscany. You can't go wrong with Tuscany. No, you're absolutely you know? right. <laughs> and I mean, and since we bought the house there, and we've been going there for 10 years, and we love Tuscany, and we have a lot of friends who have houses in Tuscany from Milan. And Tuscany is a good recommendation because people love it. They have good food. It's good food. It's good wine. It's good cut, like, I landscape. I mean, the, the landscape, yeah. you know, I mean, you can't beat that. So I usually just res recommend Tuscany. Florence, amazing, you know. Siena, great, you know. Yeah. But like... These funky small towns, like around, you know, Napoli, maybe not. <laughs> maybe like the third or fourth. It's time an acquired kind of, taste, it you know. Is. It's definitely okay. an acquired taste. I mean, and Sicily is also an acquired taste. And, and Palermo is definitely an acquired taste, you know, to sit and have... I mean, it, it's, just, it's just messy and... 
you know why, that's why i love it that's why i, I love, I love it, it too it's gritty i but love it i love the grittiness but i also love new york in the 90s you know yeah i love the grittiness i left when it was not gritty anymore and then i felt like it was too lifestyle and i was like oh i don't really know if i like this anymore you know it was just too you know and stockholm is i love stockholm too but i mean there's no grit <laughs> <laughs> you know but there's pika there's fika and there's kanelbullar. <laughs> no, oh, I mean, I, I think I know. I love, I, I love those. No, but I mean, I, I mean, as I mean, of course, we all. I mean, we can all agree on that. Rome is a, a lady who definitely needs a bit of a spa day. You know. Yeah. You know, she needs a bit of a you know cura. Um, but it, it takes. It's a different kind. You know, yeah. I have to say. But I mean, no. But Italy. I mean, but I, but overall, Italy is easy to recommend. Liguria. You know. Yeah. Liguria. I mean. Portofino, I don't, Portofino maybe not, but like Santa Margherita, you know, Camogli, amazing. Recommend any time. Go to Camogli, it's beautiful. It's like a pretend little town, you know. Uh-huh. It looks like a backdrop. I've never been. I would it's like it's to. really beautiful. It's not Palermo. It's not <laughs> Napoli. It's not like, you know, my, maybe not, a bit, a bit too, you know, posh for me, but it's beautiful, you know. Well, I think that's great. Um, yeah. I, I think that, I, I love it, because I, I think you have a great, I think you have a great perspective for living here because I think it's realistic. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think you, you, got, you guys love traveling around Italy, which mm. is really nice because you like being here. And that's, I, I mean, uh, I really love being here because it, Italy is good for you. As a Swedish person, it's very, very good for you because it brings out, it just really has taught me so much and just to loosen up a bit, not have so much control. Don't be so freaking like, you know, pragmatic about things. You just let it go. Let it go a bit. It's okay, you know. Nice. It's okay to be... And also it's okay to be... Because it's also okay to be upset. It's also okay to, like, yell. And it's also okay to be friends right after you yell at each other, you know. And I used to be so afraid of conflict before I came to Italy. Because Swedish people are. We don't like conflicts, you know. We're Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, you know, we don't do that. We just, you know, bottle it up until it just explodes. And you're like, what, what are you mad about? It's something that happened six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> that would never happen in Italy. No, you, you you shout and shout, and then you go out to have dinner. <laughs> exactly, and then it's fine, yeah. you know. So I mean, it, it's really been uh, Italy's been really good for me. I have to say, also for my husband, <laughs> also for you know. And now we have Italian kids, so you know, we'll see. Roman kids. Yeah, we have Roman they're, they're, kids. They, she, you, Ava sounds really Roman. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafirpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at ericafirpo. Ciao, bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta and Dis to Dis Studios, the producers of Ciao, Bella, who continue to make me sound and feel great.